the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. And the Royals do the unthinkable after beginning this homestand one and four. They reel off five wins in a row. And they have a very good 6-4 and four homestand. This after the Royals sweep the weekend series with the White Sox and come from behind in all three games. It's Dave O, and I'm glad you're along here on Clubhouse Conversation in an extended edition of your dish where we saw four walk-offs on this homestand. We saw back-to-back games of five home runs and four home runs, respectively. And this, of course, helped Casey kind of hide the scab that was some very disappointing starting pitching throughout the homestand. Put a Band-Aid on it, if you will. And here to join me to talk all about the past homestand and look ahead at the upcoming road trip is our very own Clubhouse Conversation insider, Jake Lutz. How's it going, man? I'm doing good, Davo. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, we did a little uh, a little chatter during the All-Star break and kind of looked extensively at some of the trade targets, and we've seen a couple of them since been moved. Most notably, David Phelps is the one that comes to mind that we talked about um, a few days ago. Oh, man, they paid way too much for him. So, Jake, the, the trade market's been a little nutty. We'll talk about a little bit of that coming up here in a bit. But let's talk about this homestand, man. I mean, the Royals come out of this somehow in pretty good shape. You and I were out there when the Royals had lost – they're fourth out of the first five games of this homestand, and we weren't real positive. I'm glad we weren't mic'd up <laughs> that night, Jake. Uh, but the Royals now, you know, when they wake up Monday morning, we're currently tied with Tampa Bay for the second wild card. So the Royals are on the right side of that line, and they're just a game and a half behind Cleveland at 50 and 47. So, Jake, to start off with, what kind of surprised you the most about this homestand? Was there anything that went on that just kind of, I don't know, made you scratch your head a little bit? <laughs> well, it was an interesting start, and especially with how bad the starting rotation was pretty much the whole homestand. Um, I know we were sitting out at the K, you know, Tuesday night wondering if we could just figure out a way to split this homestand. That was even going to take some work. We consider that a success, and they end up going 6-4 and four on this homestand. Pretty, pretty incredible what they did. Um, I, I think the power, you know, this weekend that we saw, I mean, was it nine home runs this weekend against the White Sox? Ten. It, it was impressive. Yeah. Ten home runs against the White Sox. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it was just interesting and how good the bullpen's been over the weekend. Um, it was a bit of a roller coaster, but I'm glad that they turned it around and you know got five straight victories and um, are playing pretty good baseball ever since. You know, Monday and Tuesday were really disappointing performances from the starting pitching and really the whole team. You know, they weren't good defensively. The bats were not good against pitchers they should have hit. But ever since then, you know, they've been playing uh, pretty complete, other than the rotation. So it, it was. It was an interesting homestand, but I'm excited with the way it ended. Yeah, you go back and look at six and four. I mean, I think coming in, our goal was seven and three, but we thought six and four would be mm-hmm. fine. I don't think we would have. I mean, sitting there on Tuesday night, you're right. At that point, we would have taken five and five, right? You start off one yeah, and four. Definitely. Obviously, we would have taken five and five. So getting to six and four on one hand is, is a very good thing for this Royals club. And, and like you said, reeling off five straight wins. On the other hand, you know, I, I do think Texas is better than their record indicates. And the Royals kind of had bad luck in getting their top, you know, guys. You know, we, we saw both Cole Hamels, of course, and you Darvish in that series. So a little bit of bad luck there. And then the Royals saw both Verlander and Fulmer. Of course, they beat both of them, which makes no sense after not being able to beat either Boyd or Zimmerman, who have both been, you know, very hittable, as you said, throughout the year. So I guess I guess you have to look at it, Jake, is 
in in some ways, this may be with some of their opponents gifting them some of this. I mean, you look at the the first game of this five game winning streak against Detroit. Have you ever seen a worse defensive inning than the first inning of that? Or was it, was it, was it maybe that was the second game of the win streak? Whatever it was. Yeah, it was it was the second game. Yeah. and and no, I don't think I ever have actually seen a worse defensive inning. That that was miserable. I mean, <laughs> it was worse than you know some some bad little league games. Yeah, That's kind of what it looked like that was it was worse than Chip Ambrose dropping the the fly ball during the 2005 eight was it 18 game <laughs> losing streak or whatever it was against the Indians in that eight run ninth inning. Oh man, yeah. I try to kind of watch that. Don't, don't bring that up. Yeah, I mean I think the White Sox are a pretty bad ball club, but the Royals did come from behind in all three of their games. They now have the league leading 30 come from behind victory. So the Royals continued to use the long ball to help them get back. Is that sustainable in the long term? I mean, obviously not at that level. The Royals aren't going to hit you know four home runs on Sunday and five Saturday, and you're not going to have back to back multi dong nights. You had Moose with two dongs yesterday and Merrifield with two today. That's probably not going to keep up, but. I do think the starting pitching can get a little bit, be- little, you know, better a little bit. And you mentioned the the bullpen, the, the bullpen ERA now under four for the first time this year in the last couple of games. And the Royals, I believe, since June first, have the third best bullpen in the American League, Jake. So that has been a very good thing. And we talked about that during the All Star break on our edition of the Dish, where we kind of talked about how it was kind of coming into its own. Um, but I want to go through some some rapid fire questions for you, just random questions. You have no idea what I'm going to ask you, and let's do that before we talk about the road trip. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right, I want to start off with Whit Merrifield. Um, home runs 9 and 10 on the year today. You know, age 28, getting towards his late 20s. You know, most guys have already peaked a year ago or are right now. Um, so, I mean, Merrifield, a guy that, I mean, Ned Yost talked after the game about how anybody could have had him for a couple of years. He wasn't on the 40-man roster. He could have been plucked in the Rule 5. No one took him. And the Royals kind of slept on him the last couple of years as well. So I guess what I want to ask you about Whit Merrifield, how real is what we're seeing right now? What's the ceiling? Are we seeing his ceiling year? Is this his career year? Or do you think this is kind of sustainable for a few years? I mean, I, I think the, the kids are for real. I mean, it's so impressive what he's done and he's the type of guy who I think has been motivated you know by by not getting the call up you know didn't make the team uh, you know this year out of the camp when you know he probably should have been on the roster and I, I think it's definitely for him I and he's sustained it now for pretty much a year and a half straight in the majors and uh you know I, I don't know if I would expect him to hit 10 home runs every single year I because if you look at his minor league numbers, he hit ten I think once his entire professional career last that was year, <laughs> over six hundred at bats, right? Or so back in like two thousand twelve, I think, and it was in high A and also the Arizona Fall League. So he's not a guy who I'd expect to hit hit ten homers every, but I think he is a guy who can hit for average and is you know a hustler can steal bases. I mean, you just you got to like every he does every little thing right on the baseball field. He's a guy who's always going to give you max effort. And he's a guy who should have you excited about, you know, the next few years, despite losing probably a lot of your roster. He's a guy who I think you can get you excited for the future because I, I think he definitely can sustain, you know, at least hitting for average, maybe not as much pop, but you got to love the way he plays the game. I, I, he's been just a spark plug this year. His versatility, of course, is huge also, Jake. The Royals carrying just a two-man bench today, you know, after bringing up uh, Jake Junis and optioning out Billy Burns. You know, the Royals, with some lack of innings from their starting rotation, need that extra uh, arm or two in the bullpen, really an extra two arms compared to a lot of teams. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that's because of Whit Merrifield being able to play literally everywhere on the field, right? Yeah, no, his versatility, it's, it's great. You can plug him in, you know, the outfield at second base, um, 
I, I like everything about the kid. I, I love his emotion today, the way he see him yell into the dugout when he hit that home run to tie the game in the eighth. I mean, he just fits in, and he, he checks pretty much every box he's looking for in a guy. Yeah, he's a baseball player. Now, the next one I want to talk about is another name, Jason Vargas. So, we saw him get absolutely shelled the start before the All-Star break, and we saw him get absolutely shelled the first start after the All-Star break, and we saw him last night, you know, only gave up two runs and five-plus thanks to Scott Alexander, but a guy that got out before the 90-pitch mark. A lot of that's because of the heat and everything. Um, but, you know, we saw him go, and you know, and I will say also that some of those matchups were bad for him. Detroit's a very bad matchup for him. They really do hit left-handed pitching pretty well, and even the White Sox, to a degree, uh, do as well, although you know, he didn't. But, I mean, what do you think about this? Are we worried about Jason Vargas at all at this point? Is I mean, I think we both knew there was regression coming. His FIP was in the mid-fours when he had the mid-twos ERA. And, you know, you can look at advanced stats, and they're not always going to be right. They're not the be-all of end-all. But, I mean, when something like that sticks out, it's you know you pretty much have to assume it's going to happen. Are, are you concerned at all about Jason Vargas? Is it just a mechanical thing? Is it just regression? Are you concerned about injury or just anything in particular with him? Or do you think he's going to be fine? I think he's going to be okay. I mean, I, we both expected some regression to come here, and I think that's just what we're seeing. He's faced you know, a couple tough matchups. He's not matched up well at all against Chicago this year, and Detroit's not a good matchup for him either. So I think it's been a combination of that and just you know, a little bit of regression here. But I, I think he will be fine. Um, you know, I'm not worried about an injury. I know his velocity was a little down, but not that it ever really it was. I saw he was averaging around 84 on his fastball over the weekend. I think that's probably just the heat probably had something to do with that too. I don't think he's injured. I think he'll be fine. I think we'll still see some starts where he's very good, but I think it's going to be, um, you know, back to reality a little bit more for him the second half. Yeah. I think he's probably more of a, a three, four, uh, type starter, which is fine for what he's getting paid. I mean, he's he's a steal mm-hmm. for that, and obviously what they've gotten out of, out of, out of this year so far, you know, more than a bargain. So uh, the next one, Calvin Herrera, uh, the velocity on him appears to be just fine. He's sitting, fastballs sitting 96, 97, touching 98 and 99. I mean, the velocity is there for Herrera, but as they have pretty much the whole year, the, the slider seems to be very ineffective. The changeup appears to be hittable. I mean, should we be worried about Kelvin Herrera, A, in the closer's role, and B, overall? Um, I'm a little concerned. I need to see a few more outings out of him, really, you know, safe situations to see just, you know, if I'm feeling comfortable. You know, he was coming off. He was he was really sick that day before he blew the save against the Tigers when Mott took, took him deep. And he just, you know, his he's also not only his off-speed stuff, but he's not locating his fastball well either. It seems to be up in the zone constantly, so... I don't know if it's a mechanical thing or what it is with him, but it's really been his location all year that's killed him. He's still got the stuff. Um, so I, I need to see some more outings to see if I'm still comfortable. I think it would still take a few more blow-ups for him to actually get removed from that closer role. But for now, you know, I think you keep putting him out there and see if maybe he can figure it out in the second half. Yeah, let's hope so. Now, Brandon Moss looks like these last four, five, six games, a completely new hitter up there uh, for the Royals. Now, and even going back a few weeks back, I mean, there were a couple games where the Royals had big comebacks, where he had key walks and a couple of the big comebacks late in the game, and he had a monster home run in uh, what, game one of that doubleheader against the Twins on the last homestand that helped the Royals win as well. But Brandon Moss, I mean, you and I were talking, and you know, the talking heads everywhere were talking on Twitter and Facebook, and you know that the Royals were looking at D Gordon, for example, to put it second, and maybe they'd move Merrifield to right and move Bonifacio, or maybe they were going to look at Jay Bruce, or 
you know, some of the different names for bats. Now, with Brandon Moss kind of looking like a completely new hitter over the last, we'll just say, week, uh, do you feel like the, the need for a bat is less now than it was because of his emergence, or should we look at the big picture and see this is a very small sample and we shouldn't get overly excited about a four- or five-game stretch? What are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, if you ask me this week, I am feeling better that we probably don't need a bat, but, you know, that could change within another week because Moss is such a streaky hitter. We haven't seen many of the hot streaks like this, and we just got to ride this one right now. He's been hitting the ball really well the last four or five nights. And um, it, I think right now, again, if you ask me, I'd be fine with not getting the bat at the moment, but I don't know if he'll be able to continue this. we got to see if he can stay consistent because he's been having – it all starts with his at-bats. He's been seeing more pitches. He's been more selective, and he just is driving the baseball. I mean, you're feeling pretty good when he comes up to the plate. I know at least today when he was up in the ninth, I was feeling pretty good that he was going to come through, and he did deliver. So um, I think it's something that we just they need to think about over the next week, see how he hits for a few more days. Um, I'm feeling much better about the spots though right now, obviously. But, again, that could change, you know, because Moss is such a streaky hitter where he goes to stretches where he can't touch the ball, which we saw a lot throughout the year. So, I think if you ask me, I still think starting pitcher would be my top, you know, priority. But um, I'm feeling a little bit better right now about not needing to add to that. Maybe something along the lines of like, you know, a few years ago when we got like Josh Willingham. I think that's more of the move they're probably going to make maybe later on. Yeah, that could even be a an August uh, August move as well as mm-hmm. was Willingham back then. You also do have not that these guys are really long term answers or, or great answers, but you've also got some bats coming back. You've got Paulo Orlando starting a rehab in Northwest Arkansas. You've got Chesler Cuthbert playing again at at uh, Omaha, and of course you have Jorge Soler down there who seems to always hit home runs, but not when he gets to KC. But I mean, you've got you've got you do have a few in house options. Maybe they aren't the greatest. Maybe you don't feel very comfortable doing that, but you would have a couple of those options as well going forward. We're talking. Talking to Jake Lutz on Clubhouse Conversation with me, Davo. He's our insider, and uh, I guess I'm the host, Jake, if I get a, a total here or whatever, or, or you know, a, a title, let's just say, not total. But um, next guy, let's talk about Mike Moustakis, 28 dongs now, second in the American League behind only Aaron Judge, who might hit 6,000 this year. That guy's a, just an absolute <laughs> beast. But when will Mike Moustakis break Steve Balboni's record, Jake? Will it be before or after August 20th? <laughs> um. I'll go ahead and say after, but I think it'll be before September 1st, probably still. Because okay. he's just in a groove. You know, he it had been, what, eight or nine days when he had, that he hadn't homered. And then, you know, people are thinking, oh, he's cooling down a little bit. And then he just fires it right back up. Looks, He just is having such good, consistent at-bats. I don't know why guys are even pitching to him. But um, he, he, I think he's going to break it by probably before September 1st. Maybe by August 20th. He, he's, he seems to be in a groove and just... Um, you're not seeing much of a slump from him. If you're seeing anything, he was in a slump for a few days. That you just haven't seen that long two or three week stretch where he hasn't been hidden for power. It's just not happening this year with him. Yeah, just an absolute monster year out of Moose. He's gonna, I, I believe, get well over forty. I think I said forty three back at the break, and you said forty two, but maybe more like forty five or forty six. The way things are looking. Yeah. So now Travis Wood. Um, has been, you know, it's too bad because the first four innings today, he really looked good. He was missing barrels. He was getting a lot of ground balls. And, I mean, I guess the knock on him has always been that he can't really be a starter. He, you know, to a degree, he's kind of got the Jason Hamill disease where he might be good for one or two times through, but that's about it before he falls apart. But probably a lot more severe. I mean, Hamill's much more of a starter than Travis Wood is throughout their career. But, I mean, Jake, can the Royals possibly – 
throw Travis Wood back out there if they want to win this division, you know, pitching on Friday or Saturday. I guess it'd be Saturday in Boston. Can they possibly start him Saturday night at Fenway again? Um, I, no, I, I do not want to see him start in Boston at all. And maybe we have an off day Thursday, correct? Maybe they'll skip him. Correct. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I don't. I think they could take the chance, but I, I think it would be in their best interest to not continue to keep starting him and to at least they would, you know, top priority would be to get a pitcher here before the deadline. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but Travis Wood, he just, you know, this is two straight games where he's had a three-run lead and he's blown it immediately. Um, so he, he just cannot seem to put together more than a few good innings. You know, I thought he was rolling along today. We get the lead and then he, you know, falls apart in the fifth and, um, so I, I think it's going to be tough to keep continue to roll him out there if you're actually serious about winning this division. Um, and I think you need something more stable in the rotation. Yeah, you're looking at him. I mean, he's pitched better. You know, I mean, I, you feel like the last month I would say he's been decent. I don't even I don't have the breakdown of the numbers in front of me, but just from watching, it seems <laughs> decent the last month, Jake. But his ERA sits at six point nine one even after that. So. You know, that's yeah, you know, when not good. When your ERA is the same as as a power forward in the NBA, that's probably not a good sign, right? <laughs> <laughs> the height wise, no, you know. Not at all. <laughs> so that kind of gets me. You mentioned you're not sure if they're going to get a starting pitcher. I'm in the camp that they absolutely will. I, I think they've. I still think they need probably one bullpen arm as well, just because you've got the attrition down there. If a Moylan does go down, or uh, a minor, mm-hmm. or even a Herrera, God forbid, you know, you you almost kind of feel like you need one more arm out there. I'd like to see the Royals go get one starter. And one reliever. And like you said, there's always the possibility of getting another bat. I mean, God forbid if something bad happened to Escobar today, it appears he was fine. But, you know, if something went wrong with him, you may have to go get a shortstop. But, I mean, with, with all that said, in the next eight days, how many trades will Casey make? Zero, one, two, or three? I think I, if, I would say probably, I don't know. I'm hoping two. Um, I, I think they're going to get a starter. I, I think they absolutely need to do that, and it wouldn't surprise me if they went and got a reliever too. Because while the pin is, you know, performing really well, it'd be nice to have another piece there um, to, you know, utilize in the seventh inning or so. So I, I think I don't think they're going to go get a bat. If I do, I think it would be probably like we said, a Josh type, Willingham type pickup, maybe later on in August after the deadline. Um, so if you ask me right now, I, I would say two. I think they absolutely are going to get. I, hopefully get a starter and and hopefully add a reliever as well. I do think having a veteran arm out of that bullpen would be a good idea as well. I mean, you, you've you got the roster capabilities to do that. You could send down a, a guy like Kevin McCarthy who has options, who's pitched the ball great. I mean, if you had to, you could send him down. You yeah. could option out Albuquerque. I mean, there's some different ways you could go. Junis could go back down, you know, although, although you're going to need some more position players, obviously, so that's a short-term thing anyways. But you probably can make a move to get another bullpen guy who's been there before in the playoffs and get him on the roster before September 1st and then reevaluate when you can expand the roster again in September with some of these other other relievers we've seen throughout the year as well. So I'm with you. I think I think you gotta get the starting pitcher, you gotta get the reliever. But the starting pitcher is the most important thing, agree? Yeah, agree. Yeah. And that's what I think we said when we uh recorded our podcast over the deadline that uh, our top name was starting pitcher and then reliever and then bat and that, that still holds true today. Yeah, yeah. Well let's look let's look at a little you know head to this road trip now. You got three at Detroit, followed by three at Boston followed by three at Baltimore. Now, Jake, I, I am very concerned about this road trip. Let's start off with talking about Detroit. Uh, Detroit, obviously, is already without J.D. Martinez, which helps a little bit. Didn't help that much. It didn't seem like, you know, here in the first couple of games of that series. But J.D. Martinez, 
is gone. The Tigers sit at 45 and 52 in full sell mode. It's, it's very possible while the Royals are in Detroit, you could see an Ian Kinsler traded or, um, you know, somebody like a, a Justin Verlander possibly, or maybe a, a Justin Wilson or one of those other nine Wilsons they have out there in the bullpen. <laughs> and it's very possible there could be another move or two while the Royals are in town up there. But unfortunately, Jake, for the second straight series, um, you know, the Royals get stuck facing both Verlander and Fulmer. Let's go through the matchups here. Game one tomorrow night, Jason Hamill, 4-8 and eight with a 4-8-1 against Verlander. We know all about him, 5-7 and seven with a 4-5-4. Seems to kind of maybe gotten a little uptick in stuff over the last three to four weeks in both Velo and in the movement on some of those pitches. Danny Duffy pitches game two against Michael Fulmer. Should be a good matchup. Duffy, 3-7-1. Fulmer, 3-3-5. And you've got Kennedy and Annabelle Sanchez, um, Luckily, not your 2012 Anibal Sanchez. 2-0 and with the 5-9-5. Kennedy, 3-6 and with the 4-6-1. Jake, when I'm looking at the series, I'm looking at Game 3 as a must-win with Ian Kennedy against Anibal Sanchez. I mean, I'm looking at a 2 out of 3 has got to be the goal with Boston to Baltimore You know, after that. So you got to get that Game 3. You know, My expectation would be to split the first two, but I'm a little bit nervous. What are your thoughts? I mean, Fulmer was, was hit pretty hard. He, of course, was the unfortunate... Uh, benefactor of the horrible Tigers defense in game two of that series here and you know got his pitch kind of to 37 or 38 in the first inning and you know that with the heat and the Royals got some good swings and some home runs there in that fourth inning but what are your kind of thoughts on this series and you know obviously both of our goals is two out of three do you think the Royals will get two out of three in the series um you know it'll be interesting I, I think they need the I think I think two out of three probably will happen um I wouldn't expect Verlander to be as sharp I'm hoping he won't be as sharp as he was because he was fantastic the other night. Um, and um, Fulmer, I would expect to be much better than he was. His, his defense, you know, really let him down in that first inning. and he never really could get his stuff together after that. Um, so I think if you can split the first two, and, I, you know, I like our chances against Annabelle Sanchez. I think two out of three, you need to get two out of three from this team. The Royals have struggled with Detroit all year, and um, this is one where they need to go on the road and take two out of three. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned – about a couple things in the series. First of all, Hamill against Verlander. I know Verlander's due for a little regression. You know, how nice would it be if he just got traded to the Dodgers tonight? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> we could get that would be helpful for us. <laughs> we could get Buck Farmer back up for the spot yeah. start or something. You know, but I don't know. I mean, but I'm a little nervous about Hamill against them and and Duffy is just the Tigers really maul left-handed pitching and and, and Jake, maybe a guy I should have also brought up about the are you concerned? I mean, I think all of us maybe in our heads have built Duffy up a little bit more than he is at this point of his career. I think a lot of people kind of thought he was like a number one, number two. I think he's pitching more like a number two, you know, a, kind of a fringe number two or a very good number three at this moment. We haven't seen him really go out and dominate a game and outpitch a fellow ace he's facing for a while. Are you any concerned about Duffy? And what are your thoughts on the Duffy versus uh, Fulmer matchup? I mean, I think it's a good matchup. I do worry again about Duffy, a lefty against the Detroit lineup with so many right-handed bats and power bats, and they've you know, hit him well in the past, but I'm not too concerned about Duffy. He has not been dominant at all this year. He's, you know, he seems like he's not striking out nearly as many bangers, but um, again, I, I just need to see more, you know, since he hasn't been, it wasn't too long ago that he came off the DL. He's only made a handful of starts since then, so we'll see. Um, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see him, though, come out and just dominate a start like, you know, we were probably hoping, because he is pitching more like a number three. I absolutely agree with that, but it would be nice to see him have an outing, especially this week, would be a perfect time for it because he's going to have to match up to Fulmer. Um, but, you know, to have more of an outing where he can just absolutely dominate and, and give us a, 
a good chance to win in a low-scoring game. Yeah, he needs to turn it on. At some point, the Royals, to get where they want to get, are going to need Duffy to step it up and become at least a really good number two major league starter um, on this ball club. So, you know, I'll go ahead, I guess, and predict uh, two out of three in this. Are you going to predict two out of three? I am, yeah. Yeah, I I think we're due to take a series from these guys. Okay, we'll do two out of three of that. Then the Royals head to Boston. We don't have all the pitching matchups yet. I'm not even going to try to figure it out. Um, But the Royals head to Boston. Um, this weekend, I guess they would probably get Porcello in that series, which would probably be a good, you know, a good thing. He's really been struggling this year. So, I, I, did he pitch today, Jake? I think he did. Or was it today or yesterday? Give up some bombs. I know. I know. So, um, yeah, I know he hasn't been good. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Red Sox starting pitching. You know, well, actually, let me let me see real quick. I'm sure they're going to see Chris Sale because they've been getting everyone's ace recently. But let's check Jake real quick here on the fly. It would sure be nice if the Royals, because that actually is a big part of predicting that series here. Let's see. So the Royals will miss Rodriguez. Where does Sale go? Pomeranz on Tuesday. Please tell me Sale's pitching Wednesday. Please tell me Sale's pitching Wednesday. They're off Wednesday, aren't they? Is that right? No, that's not. Oh, good, Jake. Good news. Sale's pitching on Wednesday at Seattle. So the Royals will miss Chris Sale in this series. Well, that's damn good news. That changes yeah, things yeah. a little I bit. I like our chances a lot better. <laughs> they will see Rick Porcello in the series, by the way, as one of the guys. So no Chris Sale. Anyway, Boston's 55-45, and 45, battling it out with the, the Yankees and to a, to a degree the, the Rays as well um, in that AL East. I think that, you know, the Royals just can't get swept in that series. you got to go in and get at least one game. Agree? Yeah, I agree. I, I just, yeah, I, I expect Boston probably to take two out of three. But, yeah, we need to make sure we get one there. They could win, too, though. I think they match up with Boston decently. And there's with no Chris Sale, I mean, that does give you a much better chance. I'm assuming they'll get David Price as well in that series. But um, hasn't been the David Price of, of, of old, for sure, right? Yeah, no, he's not been sharp at all. And it looks like, yeah, as, as of now, at least, it would be Vargas and Price on Friday night. Good. Well, so, so, so the Royals could, could maybe go on there and sneak a, a series win out. But we'll give them uh, two in Detroit, one in Boston, and then they wrap up this road trip. Hopefully they're at the deadline coming up. Maybe Zach Britton won't be with Baltimore anymore. Maybe Seth Smith or Machado maybe. I don't think they're going to trade him, but there's always the possibility. I've, I've, said, I've, seen, Boston, or I've seen Baltimore is going to be a big seller, and I've seen they might actually buy. I don't see how they'd be buying at 47 and 51 in the division they're in. But uh, Baltimore, your thoughts on that series? I mean, it's way too far out to even predict much about it. But, um, you know, I, I, I have kind of a bad feeling about that series. This whole road trip in general, Jake, I kind of have the expectation that five and four would be best case and they may come home four and five or three and six. Yeah, I agree. I'm feeling the exact same way. You know, anytime they have to take a long road trip, you just hope that they can be around 500 on it. I think four or five or five and four would be perfectly fine. Uh, but we'll see in Baltimore. I mean, that that's not a very good baseball team there. And we'll have the opportunity, at least with the way Baltimore's pitching, to score a lot of runs in that tiny ballpark. Yeah. So that, that could be a fun series to watch offensively. Yeah. Well, especially, hopefully, like, again, there'll be a. I'm assuming Baltimore will have sold a player or two by that point as well. So maybe the Royals are going to be getting them at a good time as well. I kind of wish that they would get, you know, kind of wish we would just start in Boston if we could miss sale. And then hopefully the, the Tigers and Baltimore would have sold some guys by the time we got there. But uh, it should be interesting. And it should be noted that we said coming out of the, out of the break that 30 of the 33 first games for the Royals were against sub 500 teams. And Boston is the only team coming in that would be over 500 of that 30 of 33. So that is on this road trip. Then the Royals can get home and hopefully get back to winning. I want to say they have the Mariners when they get back, Jay and the Cardinals shortly yeah, after. They, so. they got Seattle for four and then St. Louis for two yeah. at home. So, 
You know, things are shaping up decently. Well, we'll try to be back with you again. You want to try to do another one next Sunday, Jake? Try to make it a tradition here? Yes, definitely. All right. I'd well, love to be back. Anything else to add about this? I mean, I guess overall, you know, I'm I'm pleased with where the Royals are at. I mean, being a game and a half out of first place, I'm still looking at the division. I'm not focused on the wild card yet. Um, a game and a half behind Cleveland. They're playing a little bit better. They swept Toronto over the weekend. Um, the Royals will get them, I believe, nine more times. So the Royals, so they can stay within a couple games, will have plenty of chances to make a run at Cleveland later on. But, uh, you know, I, overall, Jake, I mean, are you happy with 6-4 and four after how it started, this, this homestand? At- Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, considering you know started off one and four, yeah, six and four is a huge win for this home stand. And um, I'm excited about the way they played the last five days. Hopefully, we'll see them play more consistent baseball on this road trip because it's going to take you know really good consistent baseball just for them to probably go five and four. And that's that's what I'm hoping. I think five and four on this road trip, you're setting yourself up to be still right there in striking distance with Cleveland. No, you go, and if somehow you pull out a six and three or seven and two, you can go ahead and just put down a full deposit on your playoff tickets. At that point, if they can. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I just, I think this is a difficult road trip. I think, I really do, Jake. I think the Royals are going to get challenged because you're getting both Furlander and Fulmer, I and mean, you're missing Sale, but you're still going to get Price and another good starter in, in Boston against a first place team, and in Baltimore in that ballpark that they can usually hit the baseball sign. They can't pitch real well, but you know, I still think it's going to be a challenging uh, road trip. So you're right, five and four, even to a degree, four and five would be okay. But let's hope the Royals can go out and start off with two out of three in Detroit because that sure would uh, help our mental health a little bit going into those last six, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Definitely would set the tone for the trip. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you again soon on Clubhouse Conversation. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Royals Clubhouse. We are on Facebook as well, Clubhouse Conversation. The website, clubhouseconversation.com. You can even subscribe in iTunes so that all of our episodes and uh, interviews will be downloaded right into your iTunes without you even having to do anything. We'll talk to you again soon on Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals!